0: Fantastic. Well, it's great to be here and uh, thanks Roger and Marianne for uh, welcoming us and having us down. We're staying. Um, it's funny, every time you come down, I, I, I like keeping paper copies of things. I don't know if it's just, I'm, I'm a bit suspicious of digital things because they can crash. But this, uh, So we still have the card that Roger and Marianne gave us when they were leaving north london and just singing that song that we've just sung i remember the days of roger leading that song in our congregation in north london and me standing beside him kind of harmonizing against what he was doing it was just it was one of those great songs and it brought back memories and on the back of this card it says do stay in touch and uh and it's always wonderful when you have friends that live near the sea and the seaside (laughs) and the south coast so there's an added added bonus of coming and uh, it says, with love from Roger, Marianne, Ralph, Alfie, and baby sister soon to come, which was Rosie at that point. So it's nearly 10 years now oh. since they left. Yeah. And um, it's great that we have been able to stay in touch. And it's also inspiring at that point. When they moved, we thought, well, you know, what's going to happen from a, you know, I hope they, they stay faithful. And they had dreams of, of starting a ministry down here and, and God blessing them and growing. So it's, it's really inspiring to be here and to see a, a group of you here. And um, just seeing how, how God has, has, has used and blessed their faith in, in coming down. And, um, so it's, it's really encouraging. What I want to, touching and um, building on what Roger's already said with the, with the welcome, is uh, the title of the message is the, and the sermon is, What Does It Mean to Have Hope? And if you don't know, I work for the charity which is called Hope Worldwide, which the, the church started. And um, I work with Two-Step, which houses single homeless people, about 20 single homeless people a month. And when people sometimes find out our name is Hope Worldwide, they'll say, this world needs some hope. And it does, okay? And what we're going to do today is to focus on what the book of Hebrews has to say about hope and how it relates to the rest of the Bible. And I have a clicker somewhere. Where is it? Oh, you've got it. Fantastic. you see he's already on it. He knows what I'm doing. Um, so hope an anchor for the soul in Hebrew 6 hope um, which obviously fits with your logo there which is why it's there so that was quite, quite a good thing um, a better hope we'll talk about by which we draw near to God and a hope that leads to leads to good deeds so we're going to take to the first two points and then we'll take communion together as we listen to a song about hope and, um, and then I'll, I'll finish off and um, hopefully yeah we we'll, that'll be great so why do we need hope? And um, that's just going to be the first, first point, hope, an anchor for the soul. And what, what specifically is the Christian hope? And what effect should that have in the world? And, and how did Jesus and the church model all this? This is kind of the things we're going to be looking at today. And why do we need hope? Well, life is difficult, if you hadn't noticed. Um, even for us in the Western world, whether you're a believer or not, time and chance happen to us all, as it says in Ecclesiastes 9. We all get sick. People let us down. Sometimes we have dreams and ambitions that that don't come true. And uh, even if some of them do, we we can't take that that with us. We need a hope beyond this life, not just for this life. And the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. And that makes a lot of sense. I mean, a life without faith has no meaning. You know, If there's no God, we're just a random accident of nature. We're a combination of atoms and chemicals. And all meaning, ultimately, is an illusion. And a life without love isn't really worth living, because love is is relationships. We're made for relationships by a relational God. We're made to love and to be loved. And hope is central in those three things, faith, hope and love. And hope helps those two things to, to, um, to live by them, because it's pretty hard to have faith and it's pretty hard to love when you've lost hope. And that's in the work I do. We work with people who are experiencing homelessness, and what the real dangerous thing is if they lose hope that it can get better. Because if they lose hope, then they're gonna go into a downward spiral and often into addiction, sadly, which the, from which they may never escape. And um, so hope is so important. And um, according to research, hope, um, I used to work as a physics teacher and I still, I still love science. According to hope, is, is, um, hope is the determining factor in overcoming poverty and overcoming illness. And if our mind is hopeful, it can even change the structure of our brain, which is quite amazing. The way we think actually changes the structure of our brain. And Christian hope isn't maybe what the world thinks of as hope, like, I hope it doesn't rain today. um, Or I hope my team wins the Premier League, listening to um, Liverpool um, playing yesterday and and, uh, scoring late. Um, Or I hope England win the World Cup, which maybe they will, you know, they're actually playing pretty well at the moment. Um, Christian hope is based on the knowledge of the facts about God. In Numbers 23:19, it says, God is not a human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Numbers 23, verse 19. So a believer in, in Christ, a believer in God, a Christian, knows that their ultimate hope is solid because it's grounded in the word of God. And we know that God fulfills his promises. And that's really important because faced with the problems in the world, it is tempting to pull back. I don't know about you, but you see all the stuff that's going on and you think, I just want to shut the door, just stay in my, my home sometimes and just be with the people that I love and care about. Um, and that, the thing is, that's not the example of Jesus. That, um, that Jesus, And what helped him going is that it says in Hebrews 12, verse 2, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so having an eternal hope like Jesus had is what helps us persevere. We know that there's purpose in the suffering we go through. We know that there is hope for others and that's why we need to persevere and help them to access that hope. And Jesus helped people and loved people because he had compassion. that was so integral to who he was. And that English, the English word compassion comes from two Greek words that mean with and suffer. So Jesus literally suffered with people. His heart went out to them. He felt their pain. And, and so we, as we, if we imitate Jesus in that way, we help give hope to people. So it's not enough in this modern world people can think, oh, you just have to believe in yourself, okay? But sometimes, as we all know, we all don't meet up our own, we don't meet our own standards. Sometimes we let ourselves down. And we can't do it on our own strength. And I'm really, I know that I think about marriage, I think about um, challenges in, in my life and even in church. But having a hope in God helps me to, to rise, to come through that. And that's going to be our first point, an anchor for the soul. I actually visualize it more like this massive anchor on the top of a cliff. I'm trying to climb up and sometimes I fall down, but that, it stays there and I can hold on. Um, Yes, I've got a picture of my journal. I, I, that's another I can show you later. Um, so we need a hope outside of this world to cope with this world. We need a hope that there is a better way, that mistakes can be forgiven, that we can change, that there's something better after this life on earth, that there is a God who cares for us. And so in Hebrews 6:19, hope is described as an anchor for the soul. And I love that that metaphor. Um, that image. In that we, we will go through storms, I and mean, we're near the sea here where you, 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 put, the, you put the anchor down so that the, the boat doesn't get blown away. And, um, so, how is your hope these days? And I hope that's something that you can think about and, and talk about after the service and think about as we, as we go through. So, the first point hope, an anchor for the souls. So we're starting off in, um, in Hebrews 6 13 to. 19 there we go so and it says when god made his promise to abraham since there was no one greater for him to swear by he swore by himself saying i will surely bless you and give you many descendants and so after waiting patiently abraham received what was promised people swear by someone greater than themselves and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Okay. Okay. So it starts off, when God made his promise to Abraham. And we could go into that, about the promise of the land and the promise of a people and, um, and a blessing. And we, we don't, you can read that in, in Genesis 12. I don't have time to go into it. But I want to focus on the last part of this passage, in Hebrews 6:18 and 19. It says, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. So what is hope? To have a biblical hope is, is to have a sure anchor for the soul. And we've talked about that. As Do any of you go, have any of you been uh, sailing or, uh, yes, well, it's, um, oh, you put down an anchor? I used to do a little bit of sailing, but you, yeah, you need that to, to stop you, you drifting. And an anchor for the soul, what, what do we think that means? Well, an anchor for the soul stops us drifting from God and where He's called us to be, from being blown off course by life. Has that ever happened where you feel like things are happening and you, you want to be here, but just you're being taken places and doing things that you don't want to do? Yeah. Um, thank you. <laughs> it's it's uh, so yeah. We and the pastor says we who have fled to take hold of the hope. And um, so a Christian is someone who's actually fled. The world and its values. And it has an eternal hope in God. Um, Do any of us read the message translation? Or have the... In the message translation it says, We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. It is an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God. Okay? Have any of us ever done any climbing? Or... uh, or been, or abseiling, which is quite a scary thing to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a few, okay, or you can imagine it. And then you really want that life, or seen a film where the climber falls, and they, but they've got that lifeline that holds them so they don't fall to their deaths. And that's the idea, that if we have that hope in God, that yes, things will happen. We might be climbing, trying to get somewhere, and we fall off, or someone else distracts us, and we, or we get distracted by the problems and trials of life. But because we have that hope in God we have something, someone, God, that we can hold on to. We have other people around us in the battle as well, so we're not doing it on our own. So hope looks forward. It anticipates the good that is coming and keeps us secure in the present. Um, for those of you who don't know, in 2015, I was diagnosed with leukemia. Very suddenly, I went to a and with my book, and I thought I'd be here for a few hours, and I didn't come out of hospital for five weeks. And then I had to go back in again. And I remember that first night lying in my hospital bed. It was 2 a.m., First night after my diagnosis, very—it's a lonely place to be. Okay, the whole—it was in a room in isolation, and praying to God with tears because I, I didn't want to die, um, and leave my wife and child and unborn baby behind. And um, but I was comforted by by a hope ultimately in God, um, and also that, that that God could work through this and would work through this. And um, I'd done a lot of study the previous year about suffering, and, and um, yeah. but it helped identify with. A little bit, a tiny, tiny bit about what Jesus went through. When you're being injected for bone marrow and it, it, it hurts. <laughs> and you think, this is nothing compared to... I mean, Jesus had nails, thick nails nailed through his bones. Okay, And that how he, with the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. And that the how, that, that, that having a hope, having an understanding that... Um, that um, there is a God, and that He is working, and that there is purpose, and there's meaning, and, and, and um, learning to be had through suffering. And so if we are going through a difficult time, or we know someone who is, that um, there is hope, and that's so important, that the God is there, He is working, although we might not understand how He is working. That doesn't mean it's gonna be easy, but there is hope. And so it's so important that we understand what that hope is. And uh, I wanna show a picture, because I think there is confusion i don't know i'd be interested in what what people think um so our first point hope anchors the soul so that looks at one of one of books she got when she we had a child dedication and at the end it said it describes um about john the book of revelation it says because you are a child of jesus you will be with jesus forever in heaven H- how many of us have this kind of picture or grew up with this kind of understanding of this is my how it be and this is kind of our cultural understanding of clouds, pearly gates, angels flying around. Okay, we grew up with that idea. I mean, there's a a close relative of mine that um, I was talking to him and he's like, I I don't really find that very appealing. Um, And um, I think it would be, you know, it would be amazing to be with eternity with God. We wouldn't get bored. But some people have the idea that you kind of sit around on a cloud playing a harp, and you sing songs for, inter- for eternity, okay? Now, if you're a singer, a musician, that may be, yes. But, um, but is there more than that? Okay, is it more than that? Is it a how a, what the Bible actually teaches? And we'll, we'll talk a bit about this. Um, but that is the cultural understanding. And, um, and that has a basis in Revelation 5 and um, in 8 to 10. Because this is... Obviously, biblical language... You, Describing God, we can't use language to describe God. God is the word. We, can't, we don't have enough words to, to describe him. But in uh, Revelation 5, verse 8, it says, um, it talks about the angels, the 24 elders. It says, each one has a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints, and they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God. That's Jesus' sacrifice. From every tribe and language, people and nation. It's great to see all different nations here today. Um, you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. We're all priests in, uh, in Christ. And they will reign, and it says, and they will reign on the earth. Okay, which is interesting. And we'll talk about, about that later. Because, um, so this is something that, that, that you can look into. Uh, I read a fantastic book, which I I lent to Roger a few years ago, called Surprised by Hope. And this really helped me have a deeper understanding of what our eternal hope is. And I'll I'll quote from it later. So let's look a bit about what the Old Testament, what the Gospel says about our eternal hope. And see if that's actually more than that. Um, So there's some books that you can look at. I'll share the the thing later. But um, in Isaiah 65, 17... He says, the prophet Isaiah says, See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. So new heavens and a new earth. What does that mean? Okay. It's interesting talking with um, Ralph about physics and things. Yesterday, was a physics exams coming up. I often think about exactly how will that work. And I talked to a physics professor who's written books called Hugh Ross. And he's written a lot of amazing books. In his understanding, that there's going to be a whole new, a whole new reality, even a whole new even laws of physics in God's new creation. Um, he will literally make everything new again. Other people think of the earth as being renewed and um, that, that that will be our eternal resting place. It's something that, again, it's beyond our understanding. Um, but it's interesting. Um, so we'll, we'll continue talking. So in, in, uh, in uh, Matthew, Jesus said, and so this is the Gospels, Truly, I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Okay, eternal life. And inherit fields and things. So you get the idea that there's, there's, there's possessions, possessions. Uh, Um, it's not just sitting on a cloud okay this is interesting Um, in uh, our eternal hope so Paul the Apostle Paul says listen I will tell you a mystery and it is a a sense of a mystery we can't fully understand we will not all sleep but we will all be changed Um, in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound the dead Ed's got to go sorry he can't stay but uh, he has to go Um, um the, uh, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will, we will be changed, okay? And that Jesus prefigured that, but he rose from the dead. He changed. He was physically similar, but his body was different. Um, and it is, as I say, it's a mystery exactly how it's going to be work, but there will be a judgment. And um, on our own, none of us has that hope of being right with God based on our own merits. None of us can say, I've always loved God with all my heart, mind, soul and strength. I've always loved my neighbour as myself. I am therefore worthy of being with you, God, in eternity. No way. We we can access that because of Jesus, of what he's gone. Basically, we follow Jesus and say, I'm with him. And uh, He, "Oh, oh yeah, okay, yeah, you're... You're a, you're a brother in, in Christ, yes. That, that he's, he's covered you. He's paid for you. He's got you covered. If you've ever been, gone to somewhere where you, you're kind of with someone else and they just kind of like wave you in. That's a great <laughs> feeling, isn't it? It doesn't happen to me that often, but uh, it's great when it happens. Um, and uh, so, yes, but and it says, and, and in Second Peter, it says, where, where will our dwelling place be? We are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. And so, this image that people have in their heads of kind of, Peter and pearly gates and clouds and things. It's it's kind of loosely based in Revelation 5. But at the end of the Bible is Revelation 21 and 22. It describes a new heaven and a new earth coming down from heaven. And um, so in Revelation 21, verse um, 1 to 4, uh, the author of Revelation, John, says that then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more, no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away." And I, I love this um, hope, okay, and for me it's a, it's a beautiful symmetry. What, ha- where, what happens at the beginning of the Bible? Where is man at the beginning of the Bible? Eden. Eden, in a garden, okay, in the garden of Eden. And what's the relationship between God and man at the beginning of the Bible? good okay it's all good okay and then it goes wrong what happens to adam and eve as, as a result of the fall as a result of eating the fruit from the from the from the tree of knowledge of good and evil what happens they're banished they're banished from the garden okay who of us thinks about paradise sometimes or would like paradise kind of holidays okay taste you know a little bit desert islands kind of coconut palms that whole kind of thing that i, I love that for a time um and Or just loves projects and doing things, planting things, seeing things grow, building stuff, working with... I, I love that kind of thing, okay? And um, so, or would love it if there was no more tears and pain, okay? And this is, this is the hope that it says, that we have almost like that restoration of what we've lost and more, okay? Of being harmony with God, of there being no shame, that, that Adam and Eve, they felt no shame, and then they knew the tree of knowledge. They, they knew the knowledge, and they covered themselves up and hid. And we can be a bit like that. We try and come to church and put our kind of cover up our weaknesses so that people don't see them and smile, and everything's fine. Um, but the, that part of the the, the the kingdom of God, and ultimately, there won't be any shame. That we will be genuinely fully human, uh, how God wanted us to be. Um, so, and so, what into what view of eternity we have actually does influence how we live in this life. And um, And the early church believed this as well. The Nicene Creed, 325 AD, concludes with, we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Okay, in this book, N.T. Wright explains it like this. The new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven like a bride adorned for her husband. It is the final answer to the Lord's prayer that God's kingdom will come and his will will be done on earth as in heaven. It is the final accomplishment of God's great design to defeat and abolish death forever. What is promised is what Isaiah foresaw, a new heaven and a new earth. So far from sitting on clouds playing harps, as people imagine, the redeemed people of God in the new world will be agents of his love, going out in new ways to accomplish new creative tasks to celebrate and extend the glory of his love. So we were made for a paradise. We, we kind of know that. We actually want that back, and, um, and, but it's, it's really hard, it's, it's practically impossible in this world, because we're fallen people, um, but, and yet the church can be a taste of that, at times, not always, um, and there's that sense of when, you, when you're part of a body of Christ, when you're with your brothers, and so we have this a little bit, staying with Roger and Marianne, it's, it's, it's great, you know, you've known such, for such a long time, to kind of just connect and Kind of, even though we haven't really spoken for six months, just kind of we get straight into these deep conversations about all sorts of stuff, and um, and uh, and it's a wonderful thing to have that fellowship where we can be honest and um, real and say things that might even offend each other, but it's okay because we know where we're coming from (laughs) and uh, stuff like that. So, um, and how is the church relevant? Well, the church helps people to access this eternal hope, and it's also, as I've said, a foretaste of it. So it's a loving community where it works together for justice. Um, It's a witness to the amazing creativity of God. It's great seeing the the singing and seeing everyone using their their gifts, even in this this small group, to to serve together. And so we're meant to show people what God is like. We are the body of Christ, so people come along and see collectively what what Jesus is like by the way that we treat them, by the way that we serve, by the way that we welcome them, by the way we listen to them, by the way that we're vulnerable about our own weakness, even though we don't know them that well. And that's that's a really high calling, and that's what again I love about being a Christian is that you can never attain Christlikeness. Okay, you don't ever get bored. It's not like I I used to kind of think when I first became a Christian. I'll get this thing sorted by twenty years. I'll just I'll have it all down. I'm going to be just uber Christian. No. Okay? And we never. And uh, as soon as you do, then it all goes horribly wrong, in my experience, okay. when you kind of think that you've got it, and then the next minute you're having an argument with your wife and you're like, oh dear, what if this happened? Why has this happened to me? Um, so, but what the world looks like is, is what difference our religion makes. Okay? People aren't so much interested in what you believe and why. They are, but they are interested in, in does it work? Okay, or as my head of mass, the head of maths at my old school used to say, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as it makes you happy. That, I, don't totally, I don't believe in that at all. But that's what some people believe. It's postmodernism. It, does it work for you? That, that's all people care about. My colleague, Kristen, uh, who works with me at Hope Worldwide, ten, about 10 years ago, she was living in San Francisco. She was really concerned at that time about Cambodia, obviously with all the landmines and, and all that stuff, the killing fields. and She wanted somebody some, to do something with, to help Cambodia. Now at that time... Um, our, our sister church there was, was raising money for the first, hub, first um, um, what became an amazing teaching hospital in Cambodia. And so she said, "I'm not really interested in church, but but I'm interested in a church that's doing something about Cambodia." So she went along, and um, and she ended up looking into the Bible and seeking God, and ended up becoming Christian, ended up becoming a Christian, and, and now works helping the poor and, and, and needy um, in London, which is really inspiring. But she came because she saw a group of people wanting to make a difference in this world. And that's often in this very sceptical age. People want to know, okay, well, what good do you do? And so it's great to, to hear that the Thames Valley family of churches are looking at how to help and serve the poor and needy. Because often people will come along. People will come along, okay, you're doing something to help the homeless. Okay, you're doing something to help the elderly. I'll come along to that. I'll come along to that. And then, and then you kind of talk and... And then, you know, who knows how God uses that. But, um, but every, regardless, every act of kindness is noticed by God. And as Jesus said, what you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. And so as we live out the will of God on earth, we point to the future when God's kingdom will be fully realized, which helps us all to have God's hope as an anchor for the soul. And as I said, as we talk about these things, this is not something that's possible on our own strength. And that's why we do need to draw near to God which is the, um, the next point, hope by which we draw near to God. And after, this, is, this point is shorter, and after this we will take communion together. So in Hebrews 7, 18 and 19, as you can see there, it says the former regulation, that, that was the, the Jewish law, um, the law given to Moses. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless, for the Lord made nothing perfect. And you can read about Hebrews 7 to 10, all about that. I haven't got time to get into it. And then he says, And a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. A better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. And it repeats that same phrase about draw near to God in Hebrews 10, 19 to 22, which says, Therefore, brothers and sisters... Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, that was the, 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 the Jewish, the, the temple, the most holy place, the Holy of Holies, where the priest could go once a year at the sacrifice of blood. But because of what Jesus did, that that temple curtain was taught in two, that, that, that we can now access the Holy of Holies. We can approach God without sacrifice of animals, without a high priest doing it on our behalf. So we can enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened up through the curtain that is his body and since we have a great priest jesus over the house of god because and there's this whole argument throughout the book of hebrews it gets to this point this is like a climax within hebrews so he's but all this stuff has happened and now let us draw near to god we can like priests go into the presence of god with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings yes we're not perfect but we have assurance um, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us. Who likes being clean? You're having a dirty, you have a, a shower or bath and you just get... It's just a lovely feeling, isn't it? And you're all sweaty and then you're clean. But that's what we have spiritually in Christ has become... That's what we'll do in communion. That, that, that blood washes us away. That we are clean again. Um, sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. And having our bodies washed with pure water. And so thanks to Jesus and His sacrifice, we, we can do that. Um, and how is that going with that great privilege? It's not, it's not something that's a natural thing for me. I love reading. Um, I, I don't naturally draw near to God. I have to carve out that time early in the morning and, and get up and just spend that time. Sometimes it's in prayer. Sometimes it's listening to things. Sometimes it's just silently meditating or reading something. Um, whatever helps you really. And it really helped when I was going through treatment to listen to music. Sometimes I was sick, I just, I just felt really weak. But I could listen and I could think and I could... Um, and um, sing. Um, it's great to sing the songs today. Um, so, how is that going? How's it going with others? The early church lived very much in community. Um, all those new passages weren't written so much to individuals, but to the church together. In the Book of Acts, you read the early church prayed and worshipped a lot together. They lived in community, and um, and that's that's what the New Testament was written to people living in community. So it's great, Um, one of the things in in our North congregation, we'd talk, we'd have great lessons and things, but we wouldn't have that much time where we could pray together and just specifically worship God together. And so we we now have worship evenings once a month, it's something that Toye, my friend Toye and I I kind of petitioned for and has changed, and it's really encouraging um, to do. And our Hope Office, similarly, we're working serving the poor and needy, we're trying to help, but we didn't have that much time where we just sat and talked about how we were doing and it, sometimes people would get burnt out. Um, or you'd, you'd kind of feel like, I'm getting real, i tried to help this guy yesterday and he just threw it all back on my face and I'm, you know, I'm fed up and tired and people don't appreciate me. And you, you can get into that and we can all, but we wouldn't know. And as we started sharing, we realized everyone goes through difficulties and we kind of, we said, oh, I was having a real hard time yesterday. Were you? You, look, it, you looked fine, yeah, but I was thinking this and then I talked about that and, and then, oh yeah. And so, so we're really helping us understand the hope that we have, and how we can give hope to others by understanding the love of Christ ourselves, and encouraging one another to to grow and talk about our weakness. And so, it, it's really formed a real cohesive group. That um, there's there's people want to stay working, which is really encouraging. People know they can be real, and that's just so so important. So, I just want to encourage and give the vision really for as as this community here, as we come together, as you come together. Don't feel like you have to put on affront and um, that you can talk about the things that you struggle with, your weakness and the dreams that you have, the things that you'd love to do but you're not quite sure and you kind of, I'd really like to do this but I don't know and then, I mean I had that, I have that with Caterina sometimes where I kind of voice some things and she's, sometimes she'll just say great sweetie or she'll just say you can do that, you're, you know, you're, these are your strengths, you know, you, you can do that and um, it's very, it's just that's, I'll talk about that later with encouraging but hope leads to good deeds. But um, as we do this, so we are going to take this time to, to draw near to God, and we're going to play a song, and I want us, as, as it's playing, to meditate on the hope that we have in Christ, and to, because of his sacrifice and his death for us. Okay, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to listen to a song, it's called There Is a Hope, I've put the first verse up there, I haven't put all the rest, because I want you to listen to the words, and, just, and maybe close your eyes, and just meditate on the hope that we have, and... And we have that because of what Jesus did. And then we'll take communion together. Is that alright? Great. So, this is the song. And I stand in Christ. This is our status now in Christ. If, or if we had our sins washed away in baptism. I stand in Christ with sins forgiven. And Christ in me, the hope of heaven. My highest calling and my deepest joy. To make his will my home. Let's um, pray and reflect um, now. Father, Lord God, it's amazing the hope we have in Christ and we praise you for the sacrifice that he made and thank you for him and all that he's given us. In Jesus' name, Amen. So Okay, so we'll move on to the third point, which is hope that leads to good deeds. So we're carrying on the same scripture from verse 23 from Hebrews 10. says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And then it says, And let us consider, which is what Paul... um, Roger shared it in the welcome, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So as we've talked about, Jesus is our great high priest. He sacrificed himself so that we can draw near to God. And Jesus taught that the greatest commandments to love God and then also to love our neighbor as ourselves. And obviously we're not Jesus, okay? But it does say, let us consider how we may spur one another on. In the Amplified Version it says, let us consider and give attentive and continuous care to watching over one another, studying how we may stir up to love and helpful deeds and noble activities. So how do you do that? How do you consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds? I don't know about you, but one, one thing I try to do, when someone does something good, I try and encourage them about it as soon as possible. And, um, or even tell others about the, the good thing that's being done. And when I pray about things, when I, mean, I love reading. And as I read about things, I I need to talk to so-and-so about this because they really, that would inspire them. Or actually, I think that this person could do something that maybe they don't, aren't going to do, but I, I can encourage them to do it. Um, and I have a book, I have it in my book here about... Things that I'll write down. So sometimes i will walk around church, like, oh, I need to talk to this person. I need to talk to that person to give some encouragement, or maybe to spur on. Like, I noticed you did something last week. I think you did quite a good job. I thought, I think actually you, you could do even better. If are you aware about this? And, um, and sometimes that's a little bit of tension. That's so why I need to pray about it because it it's, can be a little bit awkward. Um, but it's so important that we don't just settle for just. We just, and that's our culture, is tolerance and acceptance, okay? And those aren't bad things, but it doesn't mean we just accept one another as we are and, and don't aspire to help people to grow, okay? Because that's not really loving. So are there things on your heart that you could help encourage or spur others on? Um, are there things that you want to try, that you want to do, that you believe God wants you to do, but you need some help to do it? You may not know, but the Two-Step charity, the Two-Step program began because a guy, Walter Evans, looked at all the people living on the streets of London and wanted to do something, and he didn't really know what to do, but he thought, I I want to try and experience it. And he spoke to JP, who's going to come and preach in a couple of weeks here, and said, John, would you come out with me on the streets to experience homelessness? And JP said, all right then. And they did for five days and nights. But it began with one person saying, shall we do this? And someone else being willing to do it with him. And then they did some, others did some research, and then they started, the church in Bristol, a small church, had started helping people directly off the street themselves. They helped five people, but that idea then fed into Two-Step, which has now housed over 6,700 people. Um, But if that one person hadn't said, let's do something, and if someone else hadn't worked with him, and another, another church hadn't tried something, maybe that never would have happened, okay? And so it's, we don't know when we take those initial steps of faith. And maybe there's something on your heart. Like, I just want to try something. I don't really know how it's going to work out. But, you know, don't wait for Roger and Marianne to be like, have to tell you. Just, you know, express what's on your heart. And, 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 and maybe someone else will help. Um, so, yeah, we need that. We need that. those people who believe in us and who can help us. And um, I found in working in charity stuff, often if you express the vision, you say, well, I'd, we'd love to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. I wanted to help people who are working to then find some more affordable accommodation with deposit money. But we didn't have the money. And I would just go around different places saying, this is what we'd like to do, and to have volunteers who we've housed help other people to, to help move on in their life. And someone said, oh, actually, I'm on the board of a trust. And if you apply to them, I'll put in a good word for you because I think they'd really support that. Oh, right. wow fantastic and we did okay and um, and then someone else then said oh actually we can give you the deposit money so we got seven and a half thousand pounds just from talking about what we'd like to do and people said, actually I, I, I can I'm the chairman of the board I can make that decision for you so just write me an email and I'll, I'll sort that out great we don't know what God is doing and what God can provide um, I want to finish off just to kind of tie it all together really with a story um, Obviously, homelessness is a, is a massive issue, and what's really encouraging is when people can, can come through that and, and have hope. And what helps to do that is lots of different things. It's working in partnership. But again, often it's, it's just maybe one person having talking to someone and, and believing in them, helping them, and then pointing them out where they can go. So hopefully this technology is going to work. Um, that summarizes where we are. We're at the last point, hope that leads to good deeds and this is curtis's story he's now volunteering with hope worldwide but he was met as he'll talk about in um in a cafe you might need to turn the volume up again because so i turned it down um and um he shares his story about the impact of someone giving him hope and then the music church is helping.
1: So it's definitely something i'm very passionate about and i think i really like that i like writing music as well and i like dancing um, I became homeless. Uh, at the beginning of the summer, I was in the transition of um, going to be transferred to another branch of my job. The way that things turned around, where I, I became depressed, and um, they, it was overwhelming me. So I went into hospital. And during the course of that time, when I was in hospital, I was told that I would lose my place, so I became evicted, and I had nowhere. I had nothing. No one, no connections, no family, nothing, no one to help me, so uh, the hospital that I was in said that they could help me, basically they advised me to go to the borough council you know, to see if I could get a housing list and I was told that it didn't fit the criteria. And it was like some bad nightmare I was having. At times I didn't want to live, but I had to kind of persevere and try to get through each night every sound that something makes or, you know what I mean, you, you're so alert, you can't even hardly sleep. The turning point was, knowing that there are so good people in the world, that there's people willing to help you. Yeah, the community, being part of church has really helped me understand that I'm not alone. And I've been able to heal a lot more from my emotional hurts uh, by sharing what I've gone through with others who understand Really, leaving themselves up, sacrificed their, their time you know, to support me, which I found was really comforting. And that's what I was trying to be thankful for. And that's what gave me the hope to keep persevering. The here and the map That's when I was introduced to Hope Worldwide, which helped me get in the process of getting me rehabilitated and getting me housed. Where I met the guy who introduced me to Hope whole world wide, was in a, a cafe called the Squire's Cafe on Sheridan Bush, and that was the place that I now do open mic. I mean, you know, the man came in and you know, he helped me uh, get rehabilitated, and, and so yeah, I, I now perform there constantly every week. My dreams is to uh, inspire other people. I would, yeah, I'd like to pursue the musical career because I believe. In, in trying to aspire to, to do something. If you are what you say you are, now I now can understand how it feels for when I see a homeless person, you know, um, and try to share that knowledge, share knowledge with other people, to try to see if I can help them in, in any other way, you know what I mean? Then walking by somebody, because you can have you can have everything, one, you know, you could be at a certain point in your life, and then it can be all taken away. From you. And I think you or I or anybody could have, it can happen to anybody.
0: Oh, sorry, I've taken it out. Um, yes, so so Curtis was was helped. Um, he's now volunteering. He's actually. He's just auditioned for a for a, a play that we are gonna put on at the National Theatre with, with, with people who've experienced homelessness and who's really striving to move on with life. But it, it happened through someone talking to him, listening to him, and then knowing where to help him. So they he, he referred through Kristen actually to, to Hope Worldwide and then we work in partnership with the Night nice Shelter where he could stay and then we've helped him find housing. So again it. And we don't know the lives that we touch and the people that we know, but it's often that step towards somebody of trying to help and then figuring it out of what to do and and then who knows the domino effect on people's lives through that. Okay, so what does it mean to have hope? Uh, Three points. Hope, an anchor for the soul. Hope by which we draw near to God. And a hope that leads to love and good deeds. So what does it mean to have hope? We have an eternal hope, a renewed creation, Um, An anchor for the soul. So let's draw near to God, encourage one another with that hope we have in Christ and spur one another on towards love and good deeds so that we can share this hope with others. Thank you.